Thank you very much. Good morning, friends. I just got to roll in bed this morning in time to roll out again. <laughs> so I was a little tired. Didn't come, kind of come unexpected. Uh, Brother Shakarian, the full gospel businessman, the president of this move, was uh, his wife was stricken sick, and so and she was taken to the hospital. And the pinch hit for a man like that's a great big job. And a care convention yesterday, and Brother Argenbright came by, and we went up. And, well, I got up at four o'clock yesterday morning. We got started to Cincinnati, and we was going all day. And I got in just and. We got in around daylight this morning, and so it rolled out and horse, but we're here by the grace of God. I wonder if Brother Argenwright made it. Are you here, Brother Argenwright? He must still be safely in the arms of Morpheus. <laughs> if you don't know who Morpheus was, it was a Roman heathen god, <laughs> the god of sleep. <laughs> so... Y'all bear with me a little bit on my horse throat this morning, and I'll try not to uh, hold you too long. My purpose for having the service this morning was because of not uh, the people. Next Sunday, I was going to give my son, my Christmas message, but if uh, I did, then it would bring people that comes from out of town, maybe kind of disturb their Christmas, you know, going back. And so I thought maybe it'd be best if we gathered together and worship the Lord this morning. And this matter for my part of the Christmas service. And then uh, next Sunday you could be um, at your, if you live way away, you could be at your own church, wherever you're from, or whatever you wish to do. And I want to thank the brother for that beautiful song. It just come in as it was being sang. That's really nice. And I... All the time I've heard my wife and all of them brag about the brothers singing, and I had my first opportunity to hear him sing myself away from the tabernacle. Now, isn't that something? Uh, our brother here at the tabernacle and had to go Plum Street, Port Louisiana, to hear him sing his first song. <laughs> How things are strange, aren't they? And then um, we uh, thought maybe that doing this, it would give us a time then of, do, of coming together, and then... Again, uh, uh, roads were so bad. I wonder if Brother and Sister Dow got to make from Ohio. Did they get down? Where are you, Brother Dow? Brother yes, yes. I'm just wondering. Have you got a lot of snow up there? Well, they didn't have any in Cincinnati. It's not even as much as there is here. It's not it didn't have any snow at all. And uh, first time I ever preached in Cincinnati was yesterday. And so we had a grand day, a new chapter not yet a year old, and it's a very fine chapter. <clears throat> Some fine people. We enjoyed the fellowship. Then they called just now, maybe at Columbus tomorrow <laughs> for another chapter's dedication and our service that Brother Shakarin was supposed to take. But And uh, I got to pray over that first. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I got to go to Phoenix right after this, you know, and we got to start in Phoenix on the 12th. will be the businessman's breakfast, and I don't know just where it's held, I think at the Ramada, will be held at, uh, at the Ramada, the businessman's chapter, have their regular breakfast there, and then on Sunday, I start in, and Sunday for about 12 days, all around through the Maricopa Valley, Phoenix, Tucson, and I got a banquet on Monday night, the following Monday night, 
at Tucson, a, a banquet with the uh, uh, ministers and full gospel businessmen at Tucson. And um, so then come back to Phoenix and uh, I think at Glendale and, and different places. And then the convention begins on the 20... What is it, Brother Fred? Do you remember just 24th? 24th through the 28th or 29th, some along there. And then the Lord willing be back home. We'll see how we progress here, see about the seven seals or the, from that time on <laughs> to see where we go from there. <clears throat> now, I believe someone told me we had some little babies here this morning to be dedicated. Is that right? Some mother got a baby to be dedicated, something Doc told me. Well, maybe I was wrong. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes, sir. These. All right, would you, uh, sisters or brothers, bring your little ones up? Thank you, sister. <laughs> I think this is a very appropriate time to bring children. It's Christmas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, as these loved ones bring their little ones this morning, it's um, it's just now many people in lots of churches and. And if any of you was at convention yesterday, how Brother uh, Brown, Episcopalian, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, apologized to the Pentecostal believers of uh, baptizing babies <laughs> before he said what he had to do. So the Episcopalian do baptize with sprinkle, what they call baptize. Baptize to me means immersing, going under burial. And, um, but... Many of them do that. That's an old, it's a farm that come really from the Catholic Church. It was brought out through the Methodists and the Episcopalian, Lutheran, and many of them do that. The Methodists do it. That was a separation between the Nazarene and the Methodist Church was infant baptism. The Nazarene is ever word a Methodist, only infant baptism. And so then it come out for that purpose. The Church of Christ is a Christian church, everything besides music in the church. And so all those little issues that they separate and break up brotherhood and things, we are all one in Christ Jesus. By We cannot join a church. You join a lodge, but you can't join a church. See, because you have to be born in the church. It's a spiritual birth. And so different ones have their ideas, and we just go along with them. That's all right. But... Uh, to us here at the tabernacle, we want to stay just exactly the way the Bible says do it. Just what? And there's no scripture in the Bible for baptizing an infant. There's no scripture in the Bible for sprinkling. And so the only scripture there is in the Bible that Jesus said that he was our example. And when they brought him children, he put his hands upon them and blessed them. And said, Suffer, little children, to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Now that's the way we try to continue. Now, we know as a pastor and I lays hands upon these babies, our hands are poor substitutes for our Lord because His was holy. But if you had to search through the earth this morning to find a holy hand, where would you find it? There's no such thing, see, in the earth. But by His grace, we represent Him. And the children here that we will be dedicating, we will lay our hands upon them and offer prayer and thanksgiving for what He's given them to the people. And may they be little blossoms in your home to help brighten the path as you go along. May they be raised in the abomination of God. And may these little 
children now become great workers if there is a tomorrow in the kingdom of God. It's our sincere prayer. All right. May the Lord bless. Let's see. I'll leave you a star over here with this little black-headed fellow with the teeny stuff. Oh, my, my wife wasn't here to hold this All these great outbreakers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a pretty little fellow. How do you do? What a proper time in the manger that was found a baby a Christmas time for dedication of babies back to God. What's his name? Samuel Thompson. Oh, that's a very good name. Let us bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, as this happy little couple this morning comes with this little spot of joy that you have added to their union, little Samuel Thomas. Father God, we pray that you'll bless this child. And as we raise him to your presence this morning, Lord, for your holy, unseen hands to bless this child, may it be so, Lord, that the child will live, and if there is a tomorrow, may it be a great worker for the kingdom of God. Bless his parents. And now, Father, we give to you little Samuel Thomas in the name of Jesus Christ for a dedicated life to the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you and hubby and may you have a happiness and may that be a black little spot in your life and all through your children. God bless you. Now, is this a little... Um, now, I can't understand that language. <laughs> I know, what, I know what, what they're doing, but I don't understand it. When I was in Germany not long ago, I couldn't speak one word. I said, but the thing about you German people here, I said, I don't understand. I said, ever, I was going down the street, and the mother was packing a baby, and it was crying in English. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you had a I think we all pushed it up on me. It just didn't. Alicia K. Harlow. Alicia K. Harlow. That's a beautiful name. Yeah. Did you bring your little sister here? Mm -hmm. Oh, have I got your hand in there, teacher? Well. You know, when Israel brought their sacrifice that I preached on yesterday to the altar, they laid their hands upon it because they identified themselves to their sacrifice. Your hands upon your baby identifies you as the baby. And we lay our hands upon it, identifying ourselves in prayer to God for this little Our Heavenly Father, we raise to you this little lady. God, this spot of joy that's been given to this family. Bless this little girl, Lord, this pretty little thing that I hold here in my arms this morning as the mother brings this baby. You give it to her, now she's given it over to you. It shows her faith and desire, Lord, that her child shall be raised in the admonition of God. Bless her, Lord. And may she live a long, happy life and be a great servant for you in the tomorrow, if there is a tomorrow. Bless the home it comes from. Granted, now we give to you this lovely little girl in dedication, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I just met it for little thing. You know, every mother's baby is the prettiest one on earth. You know, they're just so uh, uh, tiny, and yet, wife told me, said, why, they'd be harder to break than, than I would. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> so they're so nimble, you know. Now, is there anyone sick that wanted to be prayed for, just a, a special case of prayer or something that we could offer for you? All right, sister, if you come right here and stand, all right. That's... Um, we want to get these things, so if we get tied up a little in our Christmas message, that will be um, all right. All right, sir. <clears throat> now, let us bow our heads now. Brother Neville, would you walk forward with me? Our Heavenly Father, upon this eve of Christmas, for the great uh, remission of our sin and sickness was born into the world to become a sacrifice for us. We bring our sister in the name of Jesus Christ that laying our hands up on her to do exactly what you said do. Lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Yes, Jesus. This we do in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless her name, Amen. Hey, oh, is that right? How do you do, sister? Uh, now, let us bow our heads with you. Our Heavenly Father, 
as we stand here in the presence of the Almighty, uh, praying for our sister, who has had a misfortune, and there has been something done that just blinded her eyes. But thou, Lord, as you said to Moses, who makes man's eyes? And there's only one that can help, and that's the great Jehovah Creator. So we pray, Heavenly Father, as we believe this in our hearts, and we bring her to you, and our faith, we, we come by faith up to the great golden altar of God, where the bloody sacrifice Christ lays on the altar. And in the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, in the fifth verse, that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chasm of our peace upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now we place our faith with hers upon your altar and ask in Jesus' name that this blindness shall leave our sister and that she will be able to see through the honor and glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now we're praying for the anointing for the ministry of our brother Cobble who's going to visit a friend of mine to work with the New York Paris Reedhead, the one that comes up to my house to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What's he something you're doing the Sudan mission? Yes, he's the director over Africa. He's in New York and that's part of New York working in this great church. Wonderful. Then you leave you. Yes. Oh my. We hate to lose Brother Cobbler. Oh, bless your heart, brother. I will always remember Brother Cobbler. This precious brother, saint of God. I remember my first contact with him and meeting today. I know his great name among the brethren. I went over there, his brother standing in the hospital. Me, a little guy like me, I was ashamed to go in, so I knelt down behind the Coca-Cola thing out in the hospital hall and prayed for him and went back. The phone ring again and said, you never get over to see Brother Cowell. And I went over there that operated something in his nose and cut severed something, and he was feeding to death. Knelt there and had prayer is stopped and needed praise. Our Heavenly Father, He is your servant. And now He's moving from among us, but still we're joined, Lord. Our hearts will always be. I pray as they are now, one next to another. I pray the Father to bless this my brother as he goes there to help your great servant, Brother Paris Rehead, being so 
interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in regards to what all the saints still wants God. Bless Brother Coppola. Bless him together. No work for you, Lord, wherever. May they work a team like Paul's island. Give him the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Long to try to press the push to find that place. Or you can read it, kill him, Lord, and open up great things for him. And may this be the time, Lord, as you train him to wait for this hour, or we're in the evening. Strengthen his body. Thank you, Lord. He needs strength. Yes. May the power that raised up Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise Thank you, Lord. Holy. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Paris for me, and I hope to see you all Lord Jesus, as we bring this little lady with our hands laid upon her, connecting ourselves to her as to the sacrifices, knowing that she promised it, I ask for her healing in Jesus' name. To this little mother standing here with a stoop-shouldered, gray hair, short, oncoming world. God, may the power that raised up our Lord Jesus to the grave as we lay our hands upon her, connecting ourselves with her Christ, may the power that raised him from the grave heal her body. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we lay hands upon our sister likewise in the name of Jesus Christ. May she be healed for the glory of God. Amen. Gracious Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we lay hands upon our sister. In the name of Jesus Christ, may she be healed for the glory of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lay our hands upon our brother here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his name. May he be healed in Jesus' name. Our Heavenly Father, as one of our uh, sisters travels far to be in the meeting, that she stands this morning now, and we connect ourselves, Lord, in the gospel as our hands on each other and on her. May the God of heaven see this where it says, If there be two or three of eight upon the earth, here we stand three together, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, In like manner, Lord, we lay our hands upon our feet. As we have breathed. In the name of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father. Said his wonderful Christian life. Why is God a Oh God. He stands for her. Christ stands for her. Now, devil, you leave her. Hallelujah. 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 Hallel
Thank you, Jesus. Glorious Father, we lay hands on our brother in the name of the Lord Jesus and ask for his healing for the glory of God. Granted, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, upon our sister, we lay our hands for the kingdom of God's sake in the name of Jesus Christ to obey what he said do. May she be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, sister. Father God, likewise upon Amen. our brother, we lay our hands in the name of Jesus Christ that you hold him well for the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we pray for our sister Artebride that you appeal her her request may it be given to her in the name of Jesus Lord Jesus name hey. on our brother in the name of Jesus Christ may his request for him Heavenly Father, we lay hands on the little boy in the name of Jesus Christ. And may, as we stand together this morning, by faith we bring this child to you. Amen. And may the blessings of God of healing power of Christ be manifested in him. In Jesus' name. Father God, upon this lovely dad and friendly, we also ask that you'll Manifest your healing power in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, is Sister Peckinpah, our noble sister, and need, and how gracious you have been to her. Amen. I pray that your continuation of blessings flow into her heart and all of the sickness and sadness that she is. Went through, may the Amen. power of Christ restore her Lord a hundredfold. We make her completely blessed to her loved one in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we lay hands on our brother and ask that the power of Jesus Christ Amen. make him win. Through the name Hallelujah. of the Christ child that we're in celebration of it this time. Gracious God, as we lay our hands upon our sister, your handmaid, in the name of Jesus Christ, may she be healed for your glory. Lord, we lay hands on our sister in Jesus Christ's name. May she be healed. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lay hands upon our sister here in the name of Jesus Christ. May the power of God make her be Lord Jesus, bring our sister her request as we ask it for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Our Heavenly Father, we see our little sister still with us. We thank you, Lord, Lord. We pray that you give her her request in Jesus' name. Praise Lord God. 
If God is omnipresent across the seas, over here, everywhere. And you believe in God over this morning in Norway, you know. Your daughter and your daddy. And you won't pray for them to salvation. Lord, you see the little lady and we know that you know your request. You heard her voice. How do you know she's standing here when not even a sparrow can strike the street without you knowing? And then I know that you know this request, so we just call over these things in the name of Jesus Christ. May they be granted to her through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that for his mother, who's old and is going to be operated, God help. And if there is anything more that we can do, Lord, just speak it to me or someone uh, before the stage to console our prayers. Granted, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we lay hands on our sister in the name of Jesus Christ. May you heal her and make her well. Hey, God of heaven, grant her request. In Jesus' name, Amen. sister her husband stands for her, how they struggle, and how you have manifested yourself then and showed yourself that your wife will be healed, our precious sister, in Jesus' name. Amen. Be granted for his life and grandchildren. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Our Heavenly Father, this little mother, been like a mother to me. Now, she's praying for her loved ones, Lord. She's requested that, and we're can all join ourselves Amen. together, putting our hands up on her as a unit that we believe is. Amen. And with our hearts before your altar, we ask for this request that she asks to be granted in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God, you know the people we stand for. Everyone is in his heart. And we just place ourselves in him, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Oh, God, we know, Sister Hannah. We pray, God, that we lay our hands upon Grant that the Holy Ghost will be with her. Reveal back to her heart. We thank of her precious boys, both of them. I thank you sitting here in that room that day at a little humble home. You said, tell her to ask what she will, and just say the word. She asked. God, I know that you care for these people, so I pray as a lady in the, in the name of Jesus Christ, may her request be granted. Lord God, as we lay hands upon our little sisters, driving down across these sick roads and things, I'm trying to get there. You know all about it. I pray for her, Lord. If I lay my hands up on her in the name of Jesus Christ, may she receive what she has Our Heavenly Father, as this precious brother, how that he was determined once, Lord, to cigarettes and things, had he bound down. You'd get one interview and would wait and wait, and you wouldn't tell us nothing. You'd get another and we'd wait and wait, and you wouldn't tell us nothing. And finally, one morning, sitting there, here he comes. Amen. It's all over then. We thank you, Lord, your truth. Your words never fail. And he said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I come with three requests this morning, Lord. And we stand as three with a promise of a, a triune office made in one God. Amen. In the name of that one true and living God, Jesus Christ, may his request be given to you. Lord, do you hear those requests? Thou knowest how to answer them, Lord. So we just lay hands upon our sister Baker in the name of Jesus Christ. We offer our petition to her for the evening. Thank you. Anybody else get in here and get in now?
Heavenly Father, as I lay hands upon this fine brother, looks like a very picture of health today, but sometimes that's deceiving. So I pray that you grant his request. Amen. Give to him what he asks for in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lay hands upon our sister and ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus that you will give her her request for your glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we lay hands upon our brother and ask for his request. We just signify this, Lord, as we lay hands up on him, we connect ourselves. Amen. And in this unity, we pray in Jesus' name. Father God, but our sister also, we just like in the name of Jesus Christ. She has her healing. God is our precious brother. You could have got killed the other day, but she wasn't ready for him. So I pray, God, that you'll give him his request in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be that. Our Heavenly Father, as our little nervous sister comes forward, knowing, Lord, that many have been her afflictions, but you've promised that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver none of them all. Amen. She badly needs her deliverance, Lord. We lay hands upon her and condemn this evil. Lord, upon your golden altar, may the power of God surge her and... Make her way Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Would you step back there all the time? I didn't see you. Oh, you over here. No water. This is a man that's called, you call him Minor. That's his name, but this is one time that Minor is a major. What's that word? Brother Minor Argenbright is one of the, um, the full gospel businessmen, one of the help found this great move that we are trying to work together to get all men to recognize, regardless of their affiliation and denomination, that we are all brothers in Christ. He said a little Something the other day he wrote to a senator or something up there, and it was absolutely sublime. And I said, I want you to write it out. I want you to come to that church and say it. He said, I already said it. <laughs> so we've got it here on tape. And I want to get that tuck off of tape, you brethren. Brother Jim, I know you're hearing me in there in the room. I want that. That was a real piece of, of uh, diplomacy <laughs> added with it. <laughs> All right. Say what you want to, Brother Morgan. Amen. Amen. How true. <laughs> Amen. How true. Peace comes and goes and pleasures and it just fades away, but joy remains. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's uh, a bad day outside, good day inside. And, you know, I met a man or a man that told me of meeting a man recently, and he said he was complaining Oh, said, this is a horrible day. He said, it was raining and going on. He said, this is a wonderful day. And the fellow said, well, how you call this such a wonderful day? He said, I'll tell you, the doctor told me a year ago I only had one week to live. 
that ever day where that's a wonderful day. <laughs> oh, that's right. It, it's a wonderful day. So we're all, what is, as the brother said, we were all condemned to death. That's right. To die and go to torment. But now, we, this is a wonderful day. We're alive in Christ and cannot die no more. It's all over, see. We are really in Christ. Now, let us, now in the tabernacle, Brother Oregon Bright, I usually just take my time. So if you get hungry around supper, uh, you said, <laughs> I feel so tired this morning. I have to say something. I'll keep myself boasted up a little bit till I can, the Spirit of the Lord comes on. <laughs> so let's bow our heads now and pray before we read the Word. How many requests for other things that you have that maybe you wasn't prayed for, just let it be known as you lift your hands. Now let's, let's stand this morning as we pray. That'll give you a change of posture and we'll maybe help a little. And then after prayer, I want you to remain standing just a few minutes till I read the Word. I think that's great to stand reverently while we read the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, we come just as humble as we know how to come, with emptied hearts of all desires of the world or its pleasures. And as our brother has quoted or stated to us, joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we come with joyful hearts that we have this privilege of coming into your presence to ask any petition that we would desire. And the joy comes when we look in the Word and are promised if we would believe it, it would be given to us. What could thrill a human heart that beats any more than to know that the immortal, eternal God gave such a promise? Now forgive us, Lord, and if we have sinned or did anything that was displeasing to you, that before we ask these things, for we know that it's written, if our hearts condemn us not, we have our petition. But now forgive us of all that we have done. Look upon us, Lord, with mercy and with pity. Look what a pitiful bunch we are, Lord. Little mortals creeping around here on earth and just dragging along through this sinful place. But down deep in our heart, we know that there's someone coming someday that's going to lift us from this place to a better place. And we rejoice in this. And I pray, God, for every request. You know what was behind them hands that lifted? Grant it to them, Lord. I pray for myself for strength this morning, for, uh, for voice to help and to preach the gospel. And we would ask that you would bless us so together in this, what we are celebrating, uh, the Christmas season. Lord, may we find the real spirit of Christmas and may it abide with us forever. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
If you just stand just a moment, I want to read this morning from the book of Micah for one place and for another out of Hebrews, the twelfth chapter of Hebrews, for the together a little context to what I'd like to speak on this morning for our Christmas message. Uh, Hebrews 12.25 it is. I kind of had to hurry this morning when I got up and I didn't have everything just the place where I want to be, have, wanted to have, rather. I begin with the second verse of Micah 1. Hear ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the places of the earth, and the mountains shall be molded under him, and the valleys shall be cleft and as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. And in Hebrews, the twelfth chapter and the twenty-fifth verse, we read this, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, how much mo more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Now, Lord God, add thy blessings to the reading of thy word and give to us each today the, the thing that you would have us to know that we might leave here and feel that we have been in your presence and uh, can go forth with a, a new look and with a better uh, understanding and with a more determination than we had when we come in this building. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. Now, no doubt, if I would have heard that text read for Christmas message, I'd said, now, isn't that an odd Christmas reading? The, my purpose in doing this was to bring the church something perhaps maybe a little different. Because it, on the radio uh, through Christmas, You'll be hearing the familiar old story over and over of the wise man coming from the east and finding the Christ child and the adoration of the shepherds and the appearing of the star and all these uh, Christmas uh, stories that go to make up our religious belief of today. And they're all very well. Uh, I'm grateful for that. But I thought in the church this morning, and probably our pastor, maybe tonight or next Sunday, will be bringing a message, something on that. And I thought then to give the people a, a change of some other 
uh, a view from about Christmas. And I would I chose this text. Now, just a few words, and now I see you're changing places, some standing, some sitting, and that's that's nice, and soon we'll have room so we can't sorry, we can't let these aisles be filled on account of the fire marshal won't let us do that. But we'll have a little addition very soon, Lord willing. They're already started on it. And uh and that's uh as soon as we can we'll have it up and it'll be a different place altogether when it comes to the material part of the place. There will be really none of the old tabernacle showing. It'll be there'll be stained glass windows, there will be a brick veneer around it, there'll be it'll be uh, uh, altogether different. But the old building will remain here because we got a purpose for that. See? Let the old walls remain, see. And we're just gonna cover it over and put stone around it and so forth, but it remains just the same. Now, Christmas, I, I wish that really the people would, could understand in this world what really Christmas is. Now, the first word, Christmas, is a, a kind of a Catholic expression. It means uh, Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S-C, Christ's Mass, see? It was ordained or began with the Roman Church. And Christ was no more born on the 25th day of December than I was. <laughs> it's just a complete conglomeration of dogma. That's all there is to it. The whole world, as the prophet said, has become a putrefied sore. It's just, it's just no clean thing nowhere. Every holiday is backed up behind why Santa Claus took Christmas place, the birth in the manger, the rabbit and chicken and new hats took uh, the resurrection. And, uh, where does God appear in all this at, see? The reason of this is because that man in commercial, while they started buying Christmas presents months ago, and what is it but a heathen trait? There's nothing about it godly. Oh, they try to say give gifts to the wise man. That's just a, a oasis for a devil's excuse. If you want to give something that's your life to Christ, don't give it to one another. Give it to him. That's what he died for. That's his purpose of coming. But it's got to be a place where it's, it's a curse to little children. Some little neighbor down the street can have plenty, and the other little fellow don't have nothing, and they look, it's, it's just the whole thing is altogether wrong, that's all. And merchants raise their merchandise at these places. They, why, my wife went in to get something for some little fellows, and about three weeks ago, said, oh, we done sold out. <laughs> all the stock, we made a double order of stock this year, done sold it all out. Three or four weeks for time to start shopping. Oh, what a big commercial setup it is. And after all, do you know how Christmas ever began this, what we call Christmas Christmas? Here's a story of it, just a little jot I got wrote down here on a page. I've just completed, in the last year before I had the seven church ages, taught them here, I took the Nicaea Council and the Pre-Nicaea Council, the Post-Nicaea Council, the Nicaea Fathers and Hossus to Babylons and Fox Book of Martyrs and all because I've heard ministers quote it. 
But I wanted to read it myself to see so what I, I would know. When uh, I read it or said to my people, because God's going to make me answer at the day of the judgment what I say to the people. So I've just got to not say what someone else said that they read. I want to read it myself and know. Now, really, Christmas, Christ, I believe, and almost can prove, like the resurrection can be proved by looking at the Creator, how that He created all this botany life and how everything serving His purpose must die. And if it dies, it lives again because it's got perpetual life. But the only way it can live again is a germatized seed thing. Now, God expresses Himself in that creation, and it shows that all these pagan gods and things we have are not right. See, they're just philosophy and imaginations. But the, the one who created the heaven and earth expresses Himself back to His creation, what He is in His program. And then if... Did you ever think when Christ was born that the Son of God, why was He born in a manger, in a barn, and laid in a manger? Because He was a lamb. Couldn't be born in houses. Lambs are not born in houses. And then did you notice when they took Him to Calvary and... How he couldn't run away. He had this cross laid on his beat till his back was bleeding. And, uh, but they led him. They led the lamb to the slaughter. He was a lamb. Well, in of all these testimonies of nature, what he was, when is lambs born? In December or in April? <laughs> Certainly. It's just nonsense, see, to think such a thing. This was done by the Roman Catholic Church before it became the Catholic Church in Rome. About 8,606, somewhere along in there. Or 306, rather. Now, we find out that the Roman pagans worshipped uh, Jupiter, which is the sun god. And they worshipped Astrus, which was the moon god or otherwise the mother of the uh, the mother of heaven well to bring this down they said that astrus our god mother of heaven was no more and reflected herself in mary so it still remained idolatry connecting christianity to the idolatry then also and they suffered or worshipped and respected the birthday of their sun god, which was Jupiter. It's when the sun from December the 1st until December the 25th, it doesn't change. It's passing its um, Capricorn. And by the way, I got a piece out of the paper I want to read to you sometime. Just shocking. You talk about what happened down here on the river that day. I want to show you the finding in Jerusalem to confirm that just a few weeks ago out of a newspaper. Something you found in Jerusalem just a few weeks ago will positive confirm that angel appearing down here at that very same time and sending the ministry forth. Now, never knew it until just a few weeks ago, and here it is in a newspaper. Now, 
Notice, when it crossed that, it's, it's in that... See, now, after December the 21st, the days will start getting just a little shorter each... or a little longer each day until it comes down around in July. Then it starts shortening up again until it gets... right, And that's just the relaxing time. And the Roman pagans said that was the sun god's birthday. From December the first, uh, December the twenty-first to December the twenty-fifth, they had the the Roman circus, the chariot races, and so forth. I was on that during that time. But then, when the Christians or the Roman Christians add in their dogma to get both sides, both the pagan and the Christian, they said, "If it's the Son God's birthday, let's just make it altogether the Son of God's birthday." There's your 25th day of December for your Mass, Christ's Mass. Oh, what a terrible thing. Now, to connect, why well, say, wouldn't any other day do? Yes, but connect Christ with pagan. The very thing you come to abolish, they connect him back with it again. That's the thing that's wrong. And Santa Claus, some old man in Germany named Chris Krinkle, would go around giving kids presents on Christ's Mass Day. He was a Catholic, and they made him a saint. Now it's St. Nicholas. Ah, <laughs> oh, better just... That, you know that anyhow. See, we got that in the church ages. But this morning, what I want to say is this, that this coming Christmas Day finds the world in no better condition than it was 19 or 20 hundred years ago when Christ come. It's not any different. Just about the same condition as it was then, so is it now. They, if I would draw a conclusion from what our text, from what I'm going to say, would be the falling apart of the world. When Christ came on Christmas 1900 years ago, the world was falling apart. Everything had come to pollution. The religious world had been polluted. The Roman world, Mali was on its lowest ebb. Oh, the immorality of the world. The Jews had forsaken their God and taken their sacred, solemn feast and made it a ritualistic tradition. God had departed from them, and they knew that there was something had to happen. The whole world did, because to keep it together, it was falling apart. And to something to keep it together, every nation in their own way was looking for something or someone to come to hold it together. If that isn't the picture today, I don't know the world. Is looking for something to hold it together. It's just like it was 2,000 years ago. The world 2,000 years ago was looking for a Messiah to hold a thing together. But 
2,000 years ago, God gave the world a Messiah. Because if we're expecting something and looking for something, God will send it to us. And now the world, after 2,000 years, has got back into the same condition it was 2,000 years ago. She's dropping apart. Nations, there's no, there's no foundation nowhere. Communism, Catholicism, Protestantism, politics, moral, everything has fallen apart. Amen. And they're praying for our Messiah. But here's what I want to say. If He would come, would we receive Him? Or would we do like they did? Amen. Would we refuse Him? Amen. Do we know what we really need? Sometimes we want we pray for our desires, and sometimes our desires is not our need. We must realize that we do not understand what we need. We think we do, but God promised to supply our needs, and that He'll do. Amen. Now, what if my little Joseph, seven years old, would want to go a-hunting with me and would cry and scream to take my uh, automatic shotgun loaded up with shells? I can kill a rabbit, Daddy. I, I cannot let him do that. Yet he, he thinks he needs it. But I know more about it than he does. And uh, what if uh, your little uh, baby of a year and a half old would see you shaving with a straight razor and scream and cry for that razor? Yet he's seen you shaving and he wants to do the same thing. But you know what's best for him. Yet you... You wouldn't let him have it because if you're a, a sensible thinking father, you wouldn't do such a thing as that. But you would keep it from him. And then many times that we want something that's contrary to God's uh, knowing of what we have need of. So he wouldn't give it to us. And they were praying for a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah, but here's where it's at. They wanted Him in the way that, that they wanted. Amen. And God sent Him in the way that He wanted Him. Amen. And they refused Him. Amen. And they do it again today. Amen. Do the same thing today. They refuse it again. They do the same thing now as they did then. Why? For the same reason. The same reason. He came then, and we know He come. He came and to them, but He didn't come in the fashion and in the way that they desired Him to come. And if God would send us something today, we're calling out for it, and the church, and when God sends it, we don't want it. It don't come to suit our denominational test. It don't come to suit our are uh, a theological uh, conception of it sometimes. But it's a, the 
very thing that we prayed for. The very request that we asked before God, God sent it to us, and we refuse it. We want a Christmas gift from God, but we want it the way we want it. God sends it the way we need it. He knows what the nation, He knows what the church needs. But we think we know. But He knows really what it is. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, we come to this Christmas again, the world falling apart. Let's just name a few things that I jotted down here. Look at the immorality of the world. Never was in a lower state hardly. I, I got an article here that I would just like to read a couple of verses of it. It's found in a, a paper, a standard barrier of Africa. It says, The Death of Modesty. <laughs> Feminine modesty, that beautiful quality that God has placed in the human family to safeguard its moral standard, is dying today. As innocent women and girls have bowed their knees to the goddess of fashion and do not hesitate to confirm to the most extreme of shamefulness of modest modern styles. I got about a page of it here. How I never heard such a thing. And sex appeal is regarded as legitimate both among Christians and non-Christians. As this our precious brother Argenbright and I came down the road early this morning, was talking about the subject, it's hard to find a girl with enough modesty to blush. They've heard so many dirty jokes and filth and why you couldn't say nothing to make them blush. When a few years ago to more than when I was a boy, a little thing wrong with their face had colored up, a little thing uh, passed by and another little girl's little underneath skirt was showing in school and I was standing tall and when she looked over and seen this little girl's underneath skirt showing, her little face turned red and she walked away from me. A 16-year-old girl. Why, what a... That's the God-given quality to safeguard our morals. Then can you wonder why a crowd against this nonsense as we're getting today, calling ourselves Christians, and women dressing and acting and men smoking cigarettes and everything else and carrying on like this and ministers in the pulpit compromising and won't even let you come to their pulpit to preach against such stuff. Wonder if we're not doing a whole lot today like they did back 2,000 years ago. Remember, when Israel got to doing that, God raised up an Isaiah. When that time was lived out and it started again, He raised up a Jeremiah. On down through 
when God doesn't change His way of doing things. Amen. He's the eternal God. He can't change. His first idea of doing it has to ever remain the same. What we need today is a message anointed with the Messiahship of Christ. But would they receive it? They prayed for it, but would they receive it? No, sir. They wouldn't receive it. They crucified like they did the first place. The human heart is deceiving. Morality. National strife. Where was the world any more ready to fall apart in morals than it is today? And who set the who set the pace? We Americans. When I was at at San Angelo in Rome here not long ago, by the San Angelo Catacomb, there was a sign up there to the American women to please put on clothes to honor the dead before entering the catacomb. A religious nation. Supposed to be a God-fearing nation. We're living on past experiences of other people. Our forefathers, which were Christians. National strife. There's never been a time in the world that this world was any more in a a national tear-up and falling apart than it is right now. Why you see editorials and newscasts and and commentators and, and predictors and so forth saying now the bombs and what they could do just any little nation destroy the whole world. And there's no peace among them. You can't bring peace that way. Peace and fellowship cannot come by, by politics. It come by Christ. They don't want to receive it. How I could speak some things here. The corruptness in our own politics. Why politics is so rotten. You were sharing Monitor the other night, I suppose. Or think this broadcast hour or two out of Louisville here where they connect across the nation. And there was giving, they do once in a while on different subjects, and they gave it on uh, Mr. Nixon's uh, uh, turning away from politics when he lost his uh, race, political race, in Los Angeles or through California. And would he ever come back? And when the broadcast, after two or three hours, I'd listen at it coming from down to Brother Charlie's house here, and listen at it coming up, Brother Woods and I on the radio, and come to find out that Nixon on all eastern country here, as far as the broadcast reached in Mississippi to Pennsylvania, that he had beat Mr. Kennedy and the people calling and expressing almost four to one votes. Then a man stood and said, if you hadn't had crooked machines, he'd be president. (laughs) There you are, politics, cheating, rotten, on both sides. I don't blame him. I'd throw up my hands to it. Let the nasty stuff corrupt that's going with the world anyhow. Hold your hands towards Christ and say, Here I come, Lord. National strife. Now, where you ought to think that they ought to be trying to hold together, they're so separated. 
That's the way it was in the coming time 2,000 years ago when the world was falling apart. It's falling apart today under the same conditions. And then the church corruption. Oh, my, the religious corruption. Oh, it's ridiculous to see the world after 2,000 years of the Bible and the Holy Spirit being here on earth, and today it's falling apart as bad as it was 2,000 years ago. Religious corruption. Politics entered religion, and religion entered politics. Such a horrible thing to see the condition. I know it's, you say, Brother Bram, you ought to be painting us a picture like this here at Christmas time. You ought to know the truth. Not you ought to know. Now, how can God will bless? But that blessing's got to come under certain circumstances, certain requirements that you must meet. And if you don't meet those requirements, then the blessings and promises of God is not effective. you. God promised to meet Israel as long as they kept those solemn feasts and things with, with sacredness and sincerity, God met them. But when he, they just went to make it just like a family ritual, then God refused to do it anymore. He said he stunk in his face. So it's the same thing today. That we, we, we got to get back to what's the truth of the thing. Political strife in the churches. We stand a day with around 900 different denominations of Christianity. Each one fighting the other. Well, that wasn't quite that bad when he come. There's only about four or five sectors of them, Pharisees and Sadducees and so forth. But now we got 900 and something. What's well, in the worst condition the church is at this Christmas than it was 1,900 years ago at Christmas? It was in the worst condition now. Denominational strife. What caused it all, friend, is because that politics took the place of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to take the Word of God and lead the church to victory. But educational programs and politicianal uh, programs, creeds and denominations, has led it in 900 different directions. So the church has no... uh, What's called church? I don't mean the real church. She still waves right on. Oh, yes. She still stays the same. But what is called church in the world that seems to be the, the framework that puts the, holds the world together that knits what we call today the morals and things of the world? It's polluted. Its, it's fibers are rotten. And she's, the termites of selfishness and has eaten the very foundations out from under. It certainly is true. Now, just as the condition said, we get Second Timothy 3. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, and so forth. Then if we see politics in the condition that they are in the nations, and we see the churches in its corruption, in its denominations, and yet we want God to come to us in those things. God will not come down in that 
gutter with us under the things that we want him to come by. He will not do it. He's holy and he, he knows what's best. If we call, he answers us. And when he sends the answer, we refuse it. We want it the way we want it. And we try to get God and try to save ourselves by the very thing that's proven to us. Church, please hear this. The very thing that's godly proven to us, that's corrupted us, and yet we're looking to that very system to save us. Amen. Uh, Lord, help us. That's right. Back to the Word. Amen. That's what the Messiah would say. Now, but we looked to politics. We try for the national world, we try to save it through politics. The church wants our world saved, church world, through politics. This episode has struck the world time after time ever since the time of Moses. Same thing. Politics trying to rule. And it's corrupt. There's no way a man can do There's nothing good in a man to begin with. That's the reason he has to die. And when we, when, we, when we see this world in this condition seem to be falling apart in every age, when the world gets in that condition, the people praise. Oh, even the president calls for a, what was it, 10 minutes or an hour or something of prayer? That won't do any good. What we need is not a pray, but a repentance. Amen. Turning back. Amen. Getting away from forsaken come back to God I'd rather have my consolation built upon the word of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit the presence of Christ than all the security that politics or churches could ever give you certainly because I know that'll stand we didn't even have a nation we'd be better off if we just had the nation of God God's kingdom God always answers and sends them uh, relief, but they don't want to receive it. That God answers when the nation gets in these kind of conditions. Every time when the world, rather, gets in this condition, falling apart, then God always answers their prayer, sends them a prophet or something, some mighty prophet to blast it, but they won't listen to him. What do they do? Put him in the tomb. Amen. Jesus said, which one of you? Your fathers didn't put the prophets out there in a tomb and then white, white, make them white now and build up their sepulchers. Amen. And you're the one that put them in there. Amen. That's right. Which one of They cried for help. God sent it to them and they rejected it. Amen. Then what? Is God to blame or is the people to blame? Is the people's to blame? Certainly. When Jesus was born... That world, as I said, has fallen apart. It was controlled by politics, and politics was corrupted in them days. The national church was corrupted. The Romans and Greeks were looking for an anointed Messiah. The Greeks and Romans, which probably had the best part of the world, and they were fighting one among one another, so they, uh, they was looking for some anointed Messiah to come. And the Jews, they wanted a Messiah to come. And the Romans were looking for some great politician. 
who could stand up in Rome, take over Greece, and tell them how to do it, and Rome would rule the world. Amen. Greece wanted a great politician to stand up, anointed politician and Messiah, would say, we'll, sh- we'll take them Romans and the Jews and the rest of them. That's what they were looking for. Amen. If that ain't the picture today, I don't know what it is. Amen. Amen. Right. Politics wanted an anointed Messiah. And the Jews was looking for a Messiah. Amen. And they wanted one who would come in not like they got. They wanted a general Amen. that would come in and stomp both Rome and Greece off the earth for them. Amen. That's the kind of Messiah they wanted. They were praying for that kind of Messiah. The Romans said, send us one. Let us vote somebody in. That's anointed man. A man who understands is a wizard in politics. He'll know just exactly the strategy to take Greece and all the rest of the world. The rest of the world was crying, send us someone who will we'll be, be so anointed with the genius mind that he'll know how to take over the rest of the world. Now, if that ain't the picture of this world today, I don't know. And the church crying, send us a general to come down who will put every one of us in armor and know how to use the sword and tell us a strategy and we'll stomp Rome, Greek, and the rest of them off the earth. That's what they want to do, rule. That's the, the power. Just the same thing today we find in the churches. You Methodists, you're looking for a Messiah. What kind of a Messiah? Not the one God would send you. You Baptists, you're looking for a Messiah. You assemblies of God, you're looking for one. You oneness, you're looking for one. That's right. Well, what are you looking for? The same thing the political world's looking for. For some great mathematical genius, some great scholar with a DDE, PhD to come into your church that'll knock these other denominations out and make them all join yours. Amen. Some guy who's so good at proselyting he can take the whole thing over. Amen. You're crying for a Messiah here at Christmas time. What did they get? They, they wanted it. They wanted to take it over. The world today wants to take over. The church wants to take over. Each denomination. But look what God gave them. They wanted a military genius. They wanted a a scientific genius. But God gave them a lamb. A baby. What a contract. You think they'd accept that crying child? But that's what they needed. God gives you according to your needs. Certainly. They, he got, they got a baby. When there's one, a general. But they got a baby. Meek, lowly. God knew their needs though. He never came to be a national or a church politician. And if Messiah would come today, he would not be a national or a church politician. If we cry for such a person, God will send us deliverance, but we've got to receive it in the way that he sends it. They didn't do it. They didn't want it that way. 
the church cries today, Oh, Heavenly Father, will you please send Jesus to us? Will you please? And when the Holy Spirit begins to move in, oh, that's, we don't let him. Well, you be, oh, oh, we won't have this man rule over us. Well, I don't want to hear that. No, uh, my, I couldn't accept that. My denomination won't believe that. Amen. Then you don't want a Messiah. Amen. You don't want him, no, the king. If God sent a Messiah, he'd be exactly word by word of the Bible, exactly what he was at the first time. Amen. The cry of the world, when we see politicians and everything else pinching out the very life of the church, and we cry, and God sent it to us, then we'd refuse it. That's right. We wouldn't want it. No, if we didn't cope with our, our denominational beliefs, we couldn't receive it. See? Oh, don't you see what real Christmas? <laughs> the people don't want it. They don't want God's way of sending it. They're looking for something, but they don't want it. Now, God set them in the day that they were crying. Not a military genius. Not a great general coming down with buckling armor with a supernatural sword or spear that he could yield and run Rome and Greek and the rest of them into the sea and drown them again. He didn't send them something like that. Though he said he did do it one time in Moses. But they needed it then. But he sent him a Savior. And they didn't want it. They thought there was, they were saved. That's the way the church is today. Amen. Finds it this Christmas time with all the tinsel of Christmas and the Santa Claus lights, the pagan traits and things, droped into both Catholic and Protestant churches, and it's just as corrupt as it can be, and God sends them a Savior. What? Back to the Word. The Holy Spirit. God's Messiah, His anointed. The anoint His church and send it back to the Word. You think they want it? No, sir. They won't have it. They'll turn it her down, just like they always do. He sends a Savior. But what does He send this Savior for, then? I want to drop a little something here that will help you. There is a predestinated people. <laughs> Let's go to receive it. There was when He come the first time, there will be when He comes the second time. No matter what the church world has got to think about it, some, He don't send it in vain. <laughs> Somebody will receive it. There's somebody who's going to get it. That's all. But not the political world or the political church or whatever it is. But when you cry out and God sends it, somebody's going to, go to receive it. That's right. He sent a Savior not to stomp out the nations. As we'd think today, we need a man who can stand up. America wants a man who will knock Russia to who wouldn't have it. Russia wants a man who will knock the rest of the world out and take him over to the moon. But God sends us peace. God sends us hope. We don't want it. Or say we, we can have peace. The nations want peace. Truly. And they think they can have it when the UN gets together. While the UN is as far off of it. The peace of this world's got today is like a rubber balloon floating in the air. Just every little wind can carry it any way it wants to. Certainly. Any little change of politics just sways it from one side to the other. Can't say a prayer in the UN on account might hurt other people's name, uh, feelings that don't even believe in God. Oh. That's stabilization, isn't it? Just puff anyway. And another thing, a blue will blow up at anything too. Amen. Amen. And this world so-called peace by UN and so forth, a blow up. 
Right? There's no peace in that. You can't find peace by man-made achievement. It's not there. Carried away with every wind. The church wants one. They want their pieces about waved about with every wind of doctrine too. Everything sweeps around. One of them say, "Oh, I think all we have to do. You think you ain't got no thing coming? God's done expressed His thoughts. You ain't got no right to think. Let the mind that was in Christ be in you, and He purposed and done the will of God. He said, "If I do not the works of God, then don't believe me. You ain't got no thing coming. He's the one who does the thinking." Let his mind be in you. You just think the same, and that's his word. Amen. How are you going to think different? Amen. He's done expressed his thoughts to us. But we want to do our thinking. I think they ought to do this. I was riding with a dear old soul yesterday, going up to pray for a sick child. And uh, when we got to the sick child, the family didn't want us to pray for it. This is this man's idea. However, on the road up, this lady said, an old lady, about 81 years old, smart, brilliant woman, very nice. But she said, I think what ought to take place, see, I think, that all the churches ought to come together and be one. That's exactly what the devil thinks. <laughs> but God wants a separation of his church from the things of the world. He don't want it mixed up in church politics. See? And what if God sent a Messiah to the world? And that's, that lady was only thinking the thoughts of the whole world. What's a confederation of church but the same thought? What's a world council of churches but for the same purpose to achieve that very thought? Is that right? Well, then lady, that lady won't express the thoughts of the world. But here's God's thoughts in the Bible. Mm -hmm. we got no right to take different from that. That's God's thoughts expressed to us. We find the world falling apart and we're crying for something, let's receive it. Now, if it receives and tries to lead us off the politics, that's the very thing that's corrupted us. Yes. I have a little something to tell the national leader of this Christian business. Man. It's a fine group of people. But if they get started in the wrong way, they'll go to powder like the rest of them and become a denomination. I want you to pray for me. And pray for this man. I've got to go. I've got a vision from the Lord for him. Okay. If they don't make the turn, if they go on, they're coming to an organization. And when they do, God's through with it. That's right. See, men can't get together unless you try to get their own ideas. That's the reason God takes individuals. Amen. Yeah. God don't deal, never did deal with the denomination. Amen. No place in history that ever did. He deals with individuals. One man. That's right. But we try to get a group of men together and say it's this way and that way and so forth. First thing you know, great, smart, brilliant minds, these giants that the devil has sent in and come in and say, well, it should be this. I can prove it to you. No matter what you can prove, if it's contrary to that word, stay away from it. Amen. That's right. Carried away with every wind of doctrine. Blow it anywhere and blow up at any time. It's true. Russia today is looking for an anointed Messiah. What are they looking for? What if God sent them an anointed Messiah? A lamb like he did 1,900 years ago. They'd get rid of it just like Herod did. Amen. Try their best. They'll get rid of it. 
What's Russia's opinion of a Messiah? They want a science. They want anointed a science, scientist, a genius that can conquer the world for them, that can beat them, the rest of the world, to the moon, who can conquer the outer space, who can take them beyond the stars. That's the kind of a Messiah Russia's looking for. Oh, God. Now, listen. We're Christmas time again. What if they got it? Then look to something contrary to that. What would the rest of the people that God created come to? See, God knows what we need, not what we want. Now, study on that. What if Russia got their anointed? Now, they wouldn't receive a lamb. Oh, no. They wouldn't receive it. No, sir, they don't want it. That's all there is to it. They just don't want it. They don't want nothing like that. They want an anointed Messiah. Well, Messiah means an anointed one. So then, if they want an anointed one, but they want an anointed scientist, a genius who can take the atoms and split them, who can conquer space, who can take Russia to the moon and look back and pat himself on the chest and say, the rest of you world of dogs service. That's it. That's what Russia wants. Oh, yes, sir. You know, the whole world cried. Germany cried for one of them not long ago. They got one. <laughs> look what they got with it, too. Amen. You understand, don't you? They got a Hitler. And what did they get themselves? Chaos! That's what these anointed messiahs count to if you reject God's Messiah. What did they get? When the Pentecostal blessings struck Russia, uh, Germany, they rejected the message. They laughed at him and put him in jail. What did they do? They rejected the cross and they got a double cross, the swastika. You don't receive mercy, then there's nothing left but judgment. Amen. That's true, friend. Now, look where they're at today. Hmm? Notice, they have no membership nowhere. They're just a broke-up people. They accepted the wrong Messiah. And if Russia get one like that, no matter how much they accept their genius, it'll come to the same thing. It'll destroy the whole nation. Hmm? India today wants an anointed one. They want a Messiah. I remember Messiah means anointed. They want an anointed one. What do they want? They want one that'll feed them. Give them something to eat. Call them without working for it. <laughs> Just walk up and down the streets and throw it out from one side to the other. There you are. They won't work. They just want to beg. So they want some kind of a holy man to rise up who can reach up in the top of the trees and shake it bread and meat and, and things down up on top of them. And they sit around and eat and sleep the rest of the day and get up and have the best of clothes. And that's, that's the kind of Messiah that India wants. Russia wants a scientific genius for their anointed Messiah this Christmas. That's what they want to be given. India wants a Messiah who could feed them and clothe them without working. America, what do you want? What's your opinion, America? You've been crying for a Messiah. This is tape. You've been crying for a Messiah. What do you want? You got what you wanted. Amen. You wanted a politician. Amen. You got it. Now, what are you going to do with it? Go to skin you. That's exactly what it's going to do. Go to send you to your grave. You wanted it. You got your desire. 
Oh, what are you going to do with it? It's on your hands now. Modern Ahab and Jezebel. The very thing that you run here for freedom, you pulled yourself right back into it again, but that's what you wanted. You wanted some flat top Ricky? Modern Elvis of the day? You got it! You want a smart, educated politician with a genius brain? You got it! How did you do it? By crooked a machine of politics to bring it in. Pull it over the good people's eyes. I'm neither Democrat nor Republican. I'm a Christian. Both sides are rotten. But when a man that did at least display the thoughts and hopes of Christianity on the other side, and then you turn around and set up machines to do what? To elect the genius that you wanted. How did you do it? You put them on the television, scattered across the country. Oh, my. Trying to test the mental powers between the two presidents and elect. Amen. You elected the one you thought that had the genius brain and not looking what was behind it. Amen. You see what you got in your bargain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Christmas again. Yeah. America got her Messiah. What are you going to do with him? Watch him what he does to you. You just remember just like Hitler did to Germany. You just remember. Keep that on your mind. It is taped. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yet there was still enough from these revivals that's passed the country, enough decent people left with God-fearing minds in them that would have made the thing and held it a little longer, but you invented yourself by your mechanics a machine that could cheat on votes and your own newspaper scattered it across the country. And you've done nothing about it to straighten it up. But you got it. That's the kind of Messiah they wanted, so I guess they may be at rest. They got a genius, a brain. Sure, smart, highly educated, and you know good and well the, the teaching of your Lord that the wicked people of the day or every day has always been the smart people. Don't you know it was Cain's people that become scientists and genius while God's people were shepherds and so forth? Plow down to the destruction. And it was them humble peasant farmers and so forth that were saved in the ark and the genius was destroyed. Don't you know Jesus said the children of this day, this world is, is, is wiser and smarter than the children of the kingdom? Wow, they're lambs. They need a leader. And they try to choose their leader by intellects, the smart does, but the humble chooses their leader, which is the Holy Ghost. That's exactly what the church has done. The denominational giants, the church chose. While the real body of Christ chose the Holy Spirit and His Word. Depends on what you're letting lead you. A lamb has to be led. And that's where we've got to. Now they have their Messiah. They're anointed educator. Smart, brilliant. Oh, my. There has never been a president stand up as smart as that man. Why, he'll stand around and put the... Well, I think today or tonight or sometime next day or two, I heard it in the broadcast coming the other day, that just ask him any question you want to. Sure. Just a... An educated machine. That's what the America trusted in. Now I see where you're going to get with it. 
You rejected America. You rejected the message of Christ. You rejected the Holy Ghost, which was confirmed before you even right in your own capital buildings. Where the power of Christ showed Himself to know the thoughts of man and could heal the sick and could discover the secret places of the heart and do exactly what God said would happen in the last days and the eternity. It wasn't polished enough. It was born in a manger. It stunk to the nation. Remember your politics and church and these things before God do. God loves a sweet-smelling Savior of humility. The church don't want that. A false humility. God wants real humility. That's what He loves. Now, they have their educated giants. The church, it's wanting a Messiah. But what's it's wanting? It's wanting a genius denominational system. Anointed one. To, to let them, bring them into a spot let me take my time here so that you be sure that it's gotten here and abroad. The church today wants an anointed genius who has everything so fixed up that they can live in the world. Women can cut their hair, paint their faces. Men can marry four or five times and still be deacons. Or they can do anything they want to do and still maintain their confession as being Christians. You're going to get it. You don't want God's Messiah, the anointed Word, the Word made manifest, the Word bringing itself forward. You don't want that God sent it to you. But the church don't want that. They want their creed. And they want a genius that can fix creeds to where everything bows to it. You'll get it. It's on its road. <laughs> you got a lot of children to it, but there's going to be a grandpapa raised up one of these days, a Pharaoh who doesn't know Joseph. <laughs> That's what you wanted. That's what the church, you can see the very way they're doing. Yes, sir, the very way. Revelation 17 plainly explains it. Of the old whore and her daughters. <laughs> exactly. And they'll all go back home to Mama. And it's on its road right now to make one universal church. You're going to get just exactly the nominations, what you want. Hear me? It will come to pass then. Now I may be gone by that time. But those who won't accept that, when the evening lights begin to fall and go out, they look around. They see they're forced into something by their denomination, and their denomination has tucked it to save their faces, which you'll all do it. But those people who don't want that system, that's accepted God's system, the Holy Spirit in the Word, they say, that man must have been right. Maybe too late then. We see Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Baptists, everything coming into the full gospel businessmen, everything trying to seek the Holy Ghost. Does people not realize that that's the very hour that the bridegroom come when the sleeping virgin tried to come and buy oil? 
That's when Jesus said the bridegroom came and went in and they didn't get in. What's the matter with these men? Holler over that when the Bible proves they didn't get in. And while they were trying to do this, the bridegroom came. And they were cast in outer darkness. What was it? They might have had all kinds of motions, all kinds of makeups, all kinds of uh, sensations that might have looked like evidence that, but the church is done sealed in and she was gone. Mm -hmm. That might be prophecy. <laughs> they want something. They want something how they can live any way they want to. That's what the church worlds are looking for. Somebody that can, they can go to the biggest church in the city where all the celebrity of the city belongs. They can have the highest spire on the building. They can have the best organ. They can have a, the, the pews. They can have a minister that won't say a word to them about the way they live. If they want to dance, they want to put on some kind of show, they want to wear shorts, they want to bob their hair, or they want to do these things, they can uh, smoke cigarettes, or just practice social drinking. That's practices in the churches. Just modern drinking. Just teach your children to drink, but not too much. Not to be excessive with it. Smoke, but not, not too excessive. Wear anything you want to, but just try to keep yourself as decent as you know how a plank can, see? Oh, that hypocrisy. That anointed devil. That thing called denomination. That thing called religion. It's of the devil. Back to Christ and His Word. Save yourself from this unregeneration. Repent, every one of you. Before it's too late to repent. And it could be that at any time. We see the sleeping virgin acting the way she does. Look like it ought to scare people out of their wits. But instead I think, oh glory, isn't this wonderful? Hallelujah. Oh my, how far away can people get? What kind of condition can they get into? With their politic mind, with their modern conception, knowing more about God's Word than a Hottentot does about an Egyptian night. Right. Just a, a theological conception of it or some psychological thing that's been presented to them in a way of a creed or some kind of thing. And Pentecost is lousy with it. Excuse that expression. A lot of this thing of women preachers and so forth, it's grassroots to it. Right. There you are. Dance, rock and roll, education. That's kind of a, a, a church that the world wants. That's what kind of a Messiah they want, one that can unite them together. You're going to get one. Mm -hmm. The spirit of it's already working among the children of man. Amen. Right. Still profess Christianity. They'll get it. God sent them, sent upon the, uh, us, in 1963, if God would stand upon us in 1963, the same anointing that He did back there at the beginning, we would refuse it. 
Because if that anointed one, Messiah, did come to the church, he would be the same as the Bible said he was. Hebrews 13, 8, it said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then if we pray for a Messiah, an anointed one, what, do we want a religious politician? Do we want a military genius? Do we want an educated scientist? And you want a lamb. Want a lamb that will bring you back. No glory to themselves, but back to the Word. One that will tell you the truth regardless of what it is. See, Stay right with it. Line it up. They don't want it. Mm -hmm. If He come today, He'd be like He was then. He would stay exactly with the Father's Word. He'd be sure that every word that had been promised in the Bible was made manifest to the sons of man. That's exactly Jesus said. Who can prove of me a sin? Who can accuse me of sin? Unbelief. If everything the Father didn't say that I'd do if I haven't done it, then tell me where I missed it. Amen. Amen. Tell me where I'm short. Amen. Amen. You know, sin is unbelief. <laughs> we know that. Who can show me where I haven't fulfilled, he said, every word the Father said I would do? Who can put their finger on me and say I didn't do it? Which one of you? And why don't they get off his back? Because it's prophesied that they'd do that. But he'd keep the Father's word just exactly like he did the first place. He'd keep that just exactly because he couldn't change because God is the word. For that's just exactly what he is. He is the word. And he's the word what? He is the Holy Spirit that takes the word of God and manifests it. That's exactly what Jesus Christ, when God the Spirit, the Father, was made flesh among us in the form of His Son, He taken the Word of God and manifested it, showed it to the people. And they didn't want that kind. They had their own creeds. They had their own denominations. That was contrary to all their denominations. Therefore, they didn't receive it. And it would be the same thing today. If Messiah would come, he would take the things as God's promise here in, these, in the Bible and would manifest them before the sons of men and every denomination would turn him down. They don't want it. They don't have nothing to do with it. But that's, that's what God would send them. If he sent them anything, it would be that. And then they'd condemn it and they'd bring condemnation upon themselves, upon this race of people, just like the Jews did in that day and the rest of them. <laughs> yes, sir. You know what he would do? If Messiah would come in 1963, you know what he'd do? He'd tear out every denomination we got. He'd strip that thing to the ground. Well, they'd say, what would he would Dr. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so? He'd say, you are your father, the devil, and his works you do. Exactly what he would say. He wouldn't pull a punch on him in any way. He didn't in the beginning, and he's the same today as he was then. Anything was contrary to the word, he'd call it that. He'd say, you are your father, the devil, and his works you do. Do things contrary to his word. Right? And the Messiah's sign would follow him. <laughs> right. Then he'd stand up to him and say, How have I not fulfilled what this taking place? Which way you can condemn me of unbelief? <laughs> but they'd try to make a puppet out of him. Pack him around from place to place like that Pharisee did. 
brought him down there to give some entertainment to get a big bunch of guests around because to prove that he wasn't a prophet. Amen. You know the story I teach on that. They'd do the same thing today for what he could get together to bring around for their entertainment. They'd do the same thing. And he'd go. Hallelujah. He'd go. For he always goes where he's invited. When he knew what that Pharisee was going to do. He knew that Pharisee had no use for him. He knew there's a trump up the sleeve somewhere. And Pharisees had nothing to do with it. They hated him. This old Simon wanted to come down there so he could bring a crowd around his place. He knew it. He walked on in. Did he pay much attention to him? It was the dignitaries he was paying attention to. He sat back with unwashed feet. (laughs) It'd be the same thing today. They don't want Christ. They don't want God's way. Yeah, Jesus would say, you are of your father the devil. And those men kept that laws and things and everything in their denomination and creed just to the letter of their wash pots. And Jesus said, you've taken your creeds and made God's word of non-effect. For your traditions. Amen. Hebrews 9, 12 says, or there, I believe, no, it's Hebrews 12, uh, no, 9, 12, I believe this. Somewhere right along in there, he said that when we are cleansed and pardoned, we are purified Amen. from dead carnal works. Yes, and when we are truly pardoned of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost comes into us and we're dead with carnal works. Oh, you Pentecostal church, why did you make such a mistake? You blind leading the blind. Don't you know you come out of that 50 years ago and draw this group of people right back into it? Can't you hear the word of the Lord? Dry bones, what's the matter with you? You won't receive what's sent to you. They wouldn't then, they won't now. Now, what do you know? Again, so again, his plans and the plans of the world of denomination and creed is falling apart. Man's plans is falling apart. God never offered us a creed. He never offered us a denomination. I want somebody to show me the Bible where he did. I can show you where he told you not to do it. You show me where he said do it. You said, then, Brother Branham, what did Jesus offer, man? A kingdom. Hallelujah. And He's a king. King of saints. Lord of lords. He offered us a kingdom. Not a politician denominational system, but a kingdom. He said to Pilate, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you said it. He said, if my kingdom was of this world, my man would fight for me. But my kingdom is of above. And why are we to hold of these things of the world when we are children of the kingdom which is above? See, there's something wrong somewhere. But we wasn't offered a system. We wasn't offered an organization. We wasn't offered a a political uh, rulership of the world, but we were given a kingdom of meekness. 
as the life of the Lamb is in us. Not of the world. You're no more of the world. Little children, you're not of the world. I pray, Father, that as I am not of the world, they may not be of the world. See? That's what Jesus prayed for us. And yet we turn right back around and put ourselves in worldly hookups in there where all kinds of people are taken in. Now, you know, there's not a church in the world but what's full of hypocrites. And Jesus said, don't yoke yourself up among unbelievers. So why yoke up to an organization when the kingdom of God is offered to you that you're born into it and there's not a hypocrite in it? All pure, unadulterated sons and daughters of God that believe His Word from Genesis or Revelations. It stays with it. Their life proves it and God confirms His Word to it. That's the Messiah. That's the wife of Messiah. God sits in that system, teachers, pastors, prophets, and so forth to keep that Messiahship of His straight in there. Not mixed up with denominational creeds, but weeds that thing out and keep the church pure, unadulterated to Christ Amen. and His Word. You think the church will receive that? They'll kick it out. <laughs> they want nothing to do with it. they got their own political system. And as the United States got its genius, so is the church going to get its genius. You look at it, you just watch. It's on its road right now. They've done twisted themselves into it. But we got a kingdom. And in this kingdom, it has eternal life. Not membership, but eternal life. And it is governed by an eternal king. An eternal kingdom full of eternal life controlled by an eternal king to an eternal people that were predestinated before the foundation of the world for those who He foreknew He called and those who He called He justified and those who He justified He has glorified. Hebrews 11. That's right. That depends on what you're looking for. If you're Abraham, you're looking for that kingdom. I can show it to you this morning. Yes, sir. Now, an eternal kingdom full of eternal life, controlled by an eternal king, by his eternal word, to a predestinated eternal people. There it is. Why? It always was, always will be, never had a beginning or an end. In the mind of God, it was at the very... When it was with God eternally. And the purpose of God will be carried out. So this world's falling apart. Let her fall apart. That's all right. Let's go do it anyhow. What did Micah say here? What did Micah speak of here? The mountains will mold. It'll run like wax and pour over like a, a glacier squirting up. Or some kind of a geyser or other. She'll melt and fall away, but Jehovah will remain forever. Amen. All flesh is grass. The breath of God blows up on it with its fire, grass, how beautiful it withers away, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Isaiah 40 is prophesying of the coming of the Messiah said that. All our creeds, denominational systems, educators, genius, and everything else will perish, but the word of God shall remain forever. 
Upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. We're Christmas time. I didn't know he was getting this time of day either. I just get lost when I think of the need of the hour. I'll hurry. Yeah. And we are born into this kingdom. And can we, we Christians who believe and are in this kingdom... Now, over in the book of, of the Hebrews, we read a while ago, for we receive a kingdom. Amen. Not receive a creed. Amen. Not receive a system. Amen. We receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. Amen. The world's falling apart. That's true. And every politician, every denomination, and every church will fall to pieces. But we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. For if they who rejected him who spoke from Mount Sinai and the earth shook beneath his voice, how much more see that you don't reject who? Him, his word. That speaks from heaven for him, his kingdom. For we are in a kingdom that cannot be moved. Everything that's outside of that, God sent everything and made it fragile so it would break. In its fragile condition like that, it's got to break its fragile. But remember that we got a kingdom that's solid. And when everything else falls and give away, no wonder Eddie Pruitt said, On Christ the solid rock I stand all other grounds and sinking things. A kingdom, not a political system, not a political system, not a church system, not a denominational system. It all becomes Pharisees and doctors of the devil. But we receive a kingdom, an eternal king, who is the eternal word, who has eternal life. By His eternal word to His eternal people who has eternal life. And we're partakers of this. Oh, my. That's the thing. Now, anything that pulls you away from that is wrong. That's a false Messiah, a false anointing. Oh, He said that brother had such anointing. <laughs> what kind of anointing? That's it. Hitler had an anointing, too. Khrushchev's got one also. Pope Pius has one also. <laughs> kind of anointing you got? If it's not anointed with this word and vindicate every word to be truth, leave it alone. Amen. Oh. It don't produce itself, then it isn't germatized. It'll show its color. Or say, but that was for another age. We Leave that thing alone. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen. So when this world falls apart, we are born into a kingdom that cannot fall apart. You believe the world's falling apart? Yeah. Its systems are falling apart. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you believe that the economical system's falling apart? Yeah. The political system's falling apart. Yeah. The national UN system is falling apart. Yeah. The church is falling apart. Yeah. The denominations are falling apart. Yeah. Everything is falling apart. But we got a kingdom that cannot be moved. Amen. It's an eternal kingdom of God. Amen. It cannot be moved. We are told 
that the new system of this denomination of bringing this year World Council churches will bring peace to the earth. What a, what a disregard, what a, a nasty slam in the face of Christ. What an irreverent, sacrilegious thing that is. So the devil, a man can organize something better than God can send him. The Tower of Babel. It's another Babylon that must fall. Peace on earth. A false Messiah. An Antichrist in his teaching. How are you going to throw these denominations together when they won't even, they can't even agree with one another now when they're broke up in little systems like that? How about all joining together and getting over there? See, it's a false setup. It's all done to throw Protestantism into Romanism. A false Antichrist teaching. God's kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said so. My kingdom is not of this world. So if that kingdom is organized in this world, it's a false Messiah. This Messiah that's going to be offered to Protestant church pretty soon, if they'll take, because they're looking for it. They're looking for this system who can make, well, now, we Methodists and Baptists, sure, we, we kind of agree together, you know. We, we Presbyterian, we Pentecostals, oh, what's the difference of them, brother? There is a difference. God makes you different. Well, well, we just sacrifice this. Uh, and your great evangelical teaching, you give it up. How you go to go in there with a bunch of them people that don't believe anything? Some of them atheists and false messiahs, what it is. That's right. Yes, sir. Now, God's kingdom is not of this world. And when Christ was here, He gave us the program of this kingdom. He gave us the program of God's kingdom, the Father's kingdom, which is His Word. Now, if you want to know how you get into that kingdom, this Word's got it. If you come in at any other door, you've got to come in the same door the rest of them come in by. If you try to make some other uh, entrance, why, you're the same as a thief and a robber. And it said, whosoever shall add one word to this or take one word from it, the same will be taking this part out of the book of life. So if you claimed you had your name on the book of life, if you did, don't get it taken off. When Peter on the day of Pentecost opened the door to the kingdom, he did. The kingdom had just been set up at Jerusalem. I want some man to tell me that the church began at Rome. I want somebody to prove that to me. The church never began at Rome. The church began in Jerusalem. The kingdom was set up on the day of Pentecost. And when man wanted to know how to get into this kingdom, Peter said, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, because that's what puts them into the kingdom. Any other policy through denomination or handshake or anything else is false Messiah. No matter how popular you are, how prominent you'll be, and you might be a deacon, even a pastor, a bishop, or elder, or state overseer. No matter what you are, it's false. We come back to God's humble lamb in his kingdom. Now, watch. And he gave us a program, the Father's Word. And the true believer holds on to it because he can't help it. It's the kingdom of God in him. And like Abraham, 
He calls anything contrary to God's Word as though it wasn't. Amen. If anybody tells you that the denominations of God, you stay what like Abraham. Amen. If anybody tells you you must be sprinkled or some kind of a little something system or something contrary to God's Word, don't you believe it. Amen. You count it as though it wasn't. Amen. If they say, why not, dear, it don't hurt for you to do this, don't you believe it when God says, say, it don't hurt for the women to cut their hair when God's Word says it's an abomination to him to do it. When you say, why, I wear slacks, I don't wear shorts. God said a woman that had put on a garment pertains to a man that's an abomination to him. The Bible said it's wrong for a woman to cut her hair. It's even uncommon for her to pray. And it's so forth like that. Even with her head uncovered, she dishonors her own head. God forbids it. And that system, it tells you it's all right to do it. Don't you believe it? It's a false anointed. It's a false Christ. It's against God's Word. The righteous hold on to the Word of God because it's a program of God's eternal system. When God made a man, He made him one way. made a woman, He made him another way. made her another way. There's two different covenants, two different plans, two different altogether between them, and they don't look alike. They're not look alike. They're not to act alike. They're different altogether. And women are trying to be like men, and men so sissified like a woman. I seen a boy yesterday in Cincinnati look like Miss Kennedy. That hair weighs out like that. God wants a man to look like a man. Wants a woman to look like a woman. I tell you, this Jezebel system of the devil's got the whole world in corruption. Not a sound place, and it's all putrefied sores. Sores of cancer, malignancy of the devil. It's eating the very core out of the, out of the systems that they've got set up here. Satan is a vulture feeding upon his own kingdom. He's a devil. He's an impure he is the, the father of a lie. And he feeds upon the flesh of his own people. The devil. Christ is the king of kings and lord of lords. The anointed Messiah. The believer holds to that word. God in his word is one. I and my word are one. You and your word are one. Then don't leave, use your own thoughts to use His thought. Then you're part of God because His Word and you became the same. Amen. Then you're in the kingdom. Abraham called anything that was contrary to God's promise as though it wasn't. <laughs> yes, he, such as man-made systems today, he'd do the same thing. Then being in such a kingdom, I'm going to close. i just leave off some of these notes and close. Look, it's... Being in such a kingdom, what happens? Now, all is scolded. But in reverence and in respect and in sincerity as to the commission that was given me by the Word of God, that was given me by the Holy Spirit, to watch the flock that He's set me over to. Being honorable to it. Staying with it regardless of what comes to shake it right and left and stay right here at this word. This is commission. Then if we receive a kingdom, Brother Branham, all these other people say, what denomination you belong to? Say, none. What are you? Because we're in a kingdom. Well, where do you meet in this? Where do you go? We sit in heavenly places. 
in Christ Jesus lifted up into the presence of our King. The kingdom! Glory! Now I begin to feel religious. The kingdom of God! Where they meet together, the Holy Spirit lifts them right up in the presence of the King and we sit together in heavenly places when we're baptized into Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's where we belong. All right. Wife said to me as we went to market, I told you last summer, we found one lady had a dress on. It was the strangest looking thing. She looked strange. She said, why is it? We know these women, some of them sing in choirs around here. All friends. I'm going to say this, though it's tape. Might as well say it anyhow. You know. Now I say this through reverence and respects. Just hold on to this. You've seen thousands times thousands come to the platform. And you've seen that every time coming up there without one failure, and Brother Argue right here know the part of the world that we've been in around overseas, not one time does it fail for what to tell the truth. When I go to these places and see these robe choirs, those women and men standing there with those Golgotha gowns on, and hear them sing like angelic beings with a spirit of discernment, look down there. If, if I had this morning to go pull five of them out of the whole world that wasn't guilty of filth, I don't know where I'd find them. That's a statement. But that's the truth. God knows it. My hands are on the Bible. That's right. I don't know where I'd find them. God would say, go get five that you know. I'd say, I don't know where I'll go. Oh, my. Such a system. Such filth. That's what the world wants. That's what it wanted then. That's what it wants now. That's what it's going to get now. Man standing there. Being out with the next man's wife, drinking, smoking, and with a gown on to cover it up, thinking God sees you, that fig leaf, that Eve standing there with enough guilt and filth in her heart to to turn to water would float a boat, and standing there with a talent that by nature she received to sing and hold her voice till she's black in the face almost trying to sing like some angel or something like that, and down beneath that gown, a scandal, filthy, dirty. You stand at the pulpit and say it, and she'll stick them lips up, painted, and walk out of the building and say, I don't have to hear such stuff as that. But you'll scream out someday for pity in hell. Amen. It'll be too late then. You receive it while you got a chance to receive it. You... Oh, my. But the church receives the kingdom. Now, when we sit in heavenly places and are lifted up into the presence of God, sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, knowing this with the assurance of faith that we're in the presence of our anointed king. Oh, there is to be a new heaven come forth and a new earth and which will never part again as long as eternity lasts. We're looking for that new heavens and earth. This one, you can have all of it you want. For me, I want that one. It depends on where you set your affections. It depends on what post you tie to. You tie to your denominational post, you're going right down with it. If you tie to anything of this world, any politics and things like that, and trust in that, you'll sink with it. But my hopes is built on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood with righteousness. All around my soul gives way and every minister turns me down and every creed runs me out and I have not even one place to go. He's all my hope and stay. Upon that rock, on Christ, that solid rock, I stand all other grounds of sinking sin. Someday I sh- maybe she'll be buried in a graveyard somewhere down beneath the sea in an airplane wreck, killed in a train or an automobile, wherever it might be that God has chosen for me to go. For this one thing, I know this, that I've anchored my soul in that haven of rest, gentlemen, in His Word. I believe it that this has got to be God's Word. God has to judge the world by something. If He judges by the church, which one of it is He going to judge by? Why, there's no such a thing as could be judged. Then there's only one thing that's left His Word. It's eternal. It can't be added to or taken away. I anchored my soul there with the simplicity of laying my hands up on my sacrifice, confessing that I'm no good at all. There's nothing in me, oh Lord God, send that Messiah upon me and change my being to what I was and make me in your own fashion the way you'd have me to be. Amen. No matter how much you could burn a body, how much you could destroy a person, how much you can talk against him or whatever he says, someday he'll raise us up again. And there is a kingdom that we receive that cannot be moved. Oh, my. And remember, of all this glorious thing that we are now enjoying, sitting in heavenly places, is just a prelude. Hallelujah! That's the prelude to what's a coming. Amen. That's just the introductory of the sympathy. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Talk about this shouting and praising Amen. and glorifying and magnifying the Lamb. One day when the angels stand around the earth, the curvature of the earth with bowed heads, and hear that little blood wash group sing them redemptive songs of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, I want to be a join with them. Let me take my place with her now. Hallelujah. Let me make my assurance. Jesus is mine. I'll take him and his word. Yes. Hallelujah. Closing, I want to say this little story for Christmas. So that the kiddies might catch it. And if I've offended you by staying too long, a little lady yesterday, Brother Brown preached about an hour, very wonderful sermon, that anointed man. She said, he just simply held him too long. Paul preached all night. <laughs> they sat there until they got so sleepy, probably sitting hours after hours, and one fellow fell off and killed himself, and Paul just stretched himself over him and said, don't worry, just listen to the right thing. <laughs> There was an old shoe cobbler, I believe it was in Germany, where he make their shoes. And one day while in his spare time, he used to pick up the Bible and he would read it. He would read the context, the text of the scripture. And he got real deeply sincere. He said, uh, you know... He said, I, 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 when this Christmas comes around, I'm not going to light up any Christmas tree. But he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to get a, a big dinner and I'm going to cook my, roast my lamb and I'm going to get my cranberries 
and all my sauce and things, and he's just by himself. And he said, I'm going to set him on the table, and I'm going to invite Jesus to come sit across the table from me. I want to know God's Messiah and what I can do in respect. He said, I, I, I'm going to do all this. And then I'm going to set out the table and I'm going to ask the blessing and I'm going to thank God for what He's given me. And then I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, won't you come and sit down across here just for Christmas dinner with me? The simplicity. God always hears that. Sincerity. And the old cobbler saved up his money to get us such a dinner, you know, it would be invited to the King of Kings. And he set it down. And he had it cooked. And he set it out on a table. And he cleaned himself real good. And he groomed himself. And combed his hair. And he set out the table. And set a chair for Jesus. And some more chairs sitting around. It might be for the apostles. He said if they might come in. So the old fellow bowed his head. And he asked the blessing. And, and thanked God for the food. And he said, Now Jesus, won't you come and dine with me? for this Christmas dinner. And he started eating and watching the chair. No one come. Eat a little bit more. And he said, Lord God, I've invited you to my home. Won't you come and be with me? And he started to reach over and get something to eat. And someone knocked at the door. And he went to the door. It was an old man, stooped in shoulders, ragged. He said, Kind sir, I'm cold. Would you let me get warm? And he said, Step in. And he came in, and he smelt that aroma of the food. His mouth kind of watered. He turned around, said, Will you sit down? Said, I'm expecting company. But uh, would you sit down and just eat with me till the company comes? He said, Thank you. I would be glad to. And he sat down, and they had dinner. The old man thanked him got up and went. And the, the cobbler turned around and he said, Lord God, why did you disappoint me? He said, I made everything so ready. I did all that I knowed how to do. If you'll just do that. I done all that I know how to do and thought you would come in and dine with me. And he got to weep and he ran and fell across the bed. And he's laying there on the bed weeping. I've I, I done everything that I thought was right, Lord, and why didn't you come to dine with me? And a voice came to him, and he remembered the Scriptures, insomuch as you have done unto the least of these my little ones, you have done it unto me. Yes. Irenaeus. I beg your pardon. It was St. Martin. One cold day before Christmas, a poor old beggar was laying in the street freezing. People that was worthy could pass by and just looked at the old beggar. Well, he's nothing to him. He's just a beggar. Let him lay there. And Martin stood and watched and seen some of them people that could do it would help him, but he didn't do it. Finally, Martin himself wasn't, he, he believed God, but he was a military man. He only had one coat. And he said, if the old man lays like that, He'll freeze to death. So he took his sword and ripped his coat half in two, went over wrapped the old beggar in it and said, Sleep in peace, my brother. Walked on in and that night in the barracks after he shined his boots and laid down. He went to sleep and a noise woke him up. He looked standing before him. 
There stood Jesus wrapped in that old piece of coat that he had wrapped the beggar in. What can I do in these matters then? What must I do with these things that I know it's right? These things that's been confirmed and proved they're right. What can I do? Wrap the church, not in a creed or denomination, but in the blood of Jesus Christ by His Word. So Jesus said, what you've done to these, you've done to me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if you were standing here this morning, Lord, I know you are in the spiritual form. But if you were standing here literally, I don't believe I'd change my text one bit. I believe I'd have said just the same thing. And I believe, Heavenly Father, that these people who have done without their natural food, that they have sat here and listened to a tired, raspy voice. But if you'd been standing here, they wouldn't have stayed anymore because they believe that you're here because it's your work. It shows that they love you. We're so thankful for this Christmas visitation of the Holy Spirit that directs us and shows us just what is Christmas. When we see that the world is falling apart, its systems are breaking up, but we are so glad, we are so thankful that we got a kingdom. Hallelujah. And we got a king. And it cannot be moved. And when there is no more world, when there is no more politics, when there is no more nations, God will set up his kingdom. Hallelujah. And the righteous shall reign with him. Those ones who have suffered will suffer no more. Help us, Lord, at this Christmas season to remember what the anointed Messiah means. Help us to understand. Bless this, our congregation. Be with them, our Father, and give them righteousness and peace in the Holy Spirit. Bless our pastor. Lord, we love him. This gallant servant who stands loyal and speaking the other night said, Here I am, almost 60. I got little bitty children. But remember, may he remember this, Lord. That there is nothing can take him from away from here until you're ready. If you tarry, I pray that he'll live to see all of his children married and have homes of their own. Bless his precious little wife, a little handsmaid of yours. Bless our deacons and our trustees. God, I'm thankful this Christmas for all these, my friends, that travel through snow and come over slick roads and rain and take their living. 
can come hundreds and hundreds of miles. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I don't know what to say anymore. I trust that you'll reveal the rest of it, what's in my heart. May I always be faithful, God, to this kingdom to which you have put us in. May I never compromise, no right or left. I well remember when you told me that. Don't move right hand or left hand. Then your ways will be prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. Maybe not in the eyes of the world. And I care not what the world thinks. I want to know what you want, Lord. Your desire is our, your will is our desire. Oh, the least of your desires is a, is a life-bound commandment to us, Lord. We stand as your church. Forgive us now what's happened through the year that we have did that's wrong and where we failed in so many places. And strengthen us, Lord. And may we, at this time of celebration of Christmas, may we open our hearts to the Messiah, the anointed of God, may come into our lives and anoint us and live His will and bring His kingdom to pass through our lives. Keep us well, healthy. Bless this gallant old friend of mine sitting here to my side, Brother Oregon Bright. Oh, God, how you have been with him and how he's had his hard ground and mashed so many times, but still, we believe he's germatized with eternal life. Bless his little wife. I think of Bud and Fred, me. Oh, God, how we have this grand fellowship. We pray that you'll bless us together now. Bless our little church, all these precious people. And someday, Lord, while we're so, want our eyes so clean from the things of the world that we can only see God in His kingdom, Amen. that someday we'll be presented before Christ, blameless as a chaste virgin, Amen. a part of that great church that's to come before Him. And then we'll look forward to the time where you'll Set up your kingdom on the earth, visible people with visible homes, and they shall not plant and another eat thereof. But they shall live eternally. Until then, let us be a light that sets on a hill, a candle that gives light to everything that's around us by a righteous life sanctified through the blood of Christ. Grant it, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, upon these handkerchiefs, after we prayed for the sick, and we laid our hands upon them, connecting ourselves with them, I lay my hands upon these handkerchiefs, connecting my prayer to God. And with these handkerchiefs and with the people, God, I pray that you'll heal every one of these people that these handkerchiefs represent. May they have health and strength through the coming year, Father to the honor and glory of God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I love you. Because you first love me.
Asma Salvation on Calvary. Now, while we're saying it again, let's shake hands with somebody around us. This remains that I love me. their hands up to him. Real loud now. That's right. With this word, together all of us say it. We receive a kingdom. We receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. That cannot be moved. Amen. Now let us stand. Now raise our hands and our hearts to God with gratitude. Now reel all of our hearts. I love Him. Just express it to Him this Christmas time. I love Him. baptismal service immediately now I'll be following this and you'd have to go we're thankful you were here and may you ever remain in that kingdom that cannot be moved while we bow our heads just a moment for prayer I'm going to ask our precious brother Oregon Bryant if you'll come up here and dismiss this audience in a word of prayer